Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, and we are streaming live from the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Studio today, and we have the honor of having Karen Martell on. She is a nutritionist and an international guest from Canada again, and, and she specializes in bio, uh, educating people on bioidentical hormones. As you guys know, that is one thing that Janet and I specialize in the pharmacy is bioidentical hormones, and we believe they are a big part of overall wellness in when it comes to your overall health. So um, Karen is going to educate us on what bioidentical hormones are and um, how to optimize your, your hormone levels. So Karen, welcome to our show. Hi, guys. Hi, Janet. Hi, Janet Karen. just snuck in, everyone. She wasn't <laughs> going to be here, but look at her. She's here. <laughs> nice to see you guys. Thanks for having me on. Yes. Well, thank you so much. So I've seen some of your stuff on social media, and I will tell you, it seems just like you could actually be running this podcast um, because you really, really, a lot of the same stuff that we talk about and discuss with hormone replacement, you're on the same page about. So, um, you know, thank you for getting information out there and thank you for being on our podcast. Well, it's great to be here. The, the, the more I can educate women on this matter, I think the better. It's it's not talked about enough, unfortunately. Yeah. So let's just start from the top. So just tell us what are bioidentical hormones? <laughs> well, bioidentical hormones are hormones that are made in a lab. So they're not, you know, they're not woo-woo stuff that's coming out of like a, some pot that someone's cooking up in the back. <laughs> They're, they're made in a lab. They're made from either yams or soy. And when you use the word bioidentical, it's better to almost say body identical because they are exactly the same as what your body is making on the inside. So your body cannot tell the difference between what your ovaries made or what your adrenals made compared to what you're taking in from the outside, from the compounding pharmacy, from Sean and Janet, and putting it on your skin, your body can't see the difference. Unlike if you use, you know, typically like the whole original HRT, hormone replacement therapy, which everyone's got in their heads, I think, which is coming from other sources that are not body identical. So they're different than the ones that your body makes. There's a few in there that are very similar to yours, like Premarin, for instance, which is from pregnant horses, urine, which is yep. the original estrogen replacement that was actually the number one prescribed medication in the early like 1950s-ish. And it continued that way as the number one prescribed medication in North America until the WHI study, which we can get into. That's the Women's Health Initiative. But interestingly, Premarin was number one. And that we are not horses. <laughs> it is not body identical to us. They had several different estrogens in the, this Premarin that came from the horses. And only, I do believe, one of those estrogens was like our own, but it was Estrone, which is the more inflammatory estrogen that we produce predominantly when we're in menopause from fat cells, which makes you fat as well. It's very inflammatory and it's the one that's more connected to breast cancer. So it's really not the one that we want in our body. So compare that to 
body identical or bioidentical where it's exactly the same as our own. Well, Karen, I, I think you touched on an interesting point because a lot of times Sean and I will get the question, well, is it natural? Yes. And so um, bioidentical from what you're describing is natural to our body, but there are other hormones out there like Premarin that are really not, they're natural sources but they're not identical to what our ovaries and adrenal glands would make. So do you have a, a, a better picture of painting than what I've described that might be helpful? Because I think a lot of times when we say hormone replacement, they're because of the studies that have been out, you know, they've almost coined the same. They really have like they, and, and even things like synthetic progesterone is oftentimes just called progesterone. And so women think that they're taking bioidentical progesterone when really it's progestin, which is really, really different inside our body. So there's synthetic estrogens and synthetic progesterones that are not body identical and they react very differently in our body. And in the Women's Health Initiative, they did, they had two arms of the study and neither of those arms of the study used body identical uh, hormones. So this entire study that was ended in 2002 was solely around these pretty toxic hormones for our body, even though it was the number one prescribed medication, it was really helping millions of women at that time. It's still, when you compare it to what a, a bioidentical hormone is going to give you in your body, it's a really, it's a whole different story. And we can get into, you know, the side effects of the regular HRT and bioidentical and that study. And I think that that could probably help clear up some of the confusion for, for your listeners. Yeah, let's go ahead and dive a little bit deeper into the WHI study, um, which is a women's health initiative back in 2002, where it scared everybody to get off hormones because there was an increased risk of breast cancer and an increased risk of heart attacks and strokes. Karen, mm -hmm. give, give us the details. So number one, very flawed study, but it was the biggest of its kind. So they had hundreds of thousands of women in this study. Unfortunately, majority of those women were over the age of 60, which is not an ideal time to even start bioidentical hormones. They, a lot of them were smokers and a lot of them were overweight and didn't eat well. So that's first off, which nobody heard about that part. Right, right. That's <laughs> There's a lot important. nobody heard about. Right. Yeah. So one arm of the study was on Premarin only, so the pregnant horse's estrogen, because those women had no uteruses. So when a woman doesn't have a uterus, oftentimes they're given just estrogen replacement. In the other arm of the study, the women were on the Premarin as well as progestins. And so that combination was called Provera. Prempro, Prempro. The progesterone was called Provera. So together they were called the Prempro. So the arm of the study that used the combination of those two hormones, they ended up within a couple of years of starting that study, there was a very small increase, actually, a small increase of breast cancer, um, increase of heart attack and stroke, and uterine cancer as well. The other arm of the study was just Premarin, didn't have those reactions. And in actual fact, the Premarin only arm of the study had a reduction of just over 30%, a reduction in breast cancer cases. 
compared to the other arm of the study. That's mind blowing because you ask any woman right now, I'd say 95% of them, if you say, I'd love to put you on bioidentical estrogen replacement, they'll immediately be like, well, that will give me breast cancer, won't it? Everybody associates estrogen with breast cancer and estrogen replacement with breast cancer. Because when these, when this increase of breast cancer happened in that one arm of the study, it went out to the world that, oh my gosh, hormone replacement's terrible. It's causing cancer. Get these women off of this now. And it went out to every media outlet. Every doctor was, was told, get your women off these hormones because they're toxic. They're not what we thought they were. It's terrible. And they actually shut down that study early because of that. But the Premarin only side actually had a reduction of breast cancer, which most people, nobody will have heard of that. And it's sad because there's some controversy as to why nobody heard about it. Like there's people that are saying that it was a little bit rigged, the study. Then there's um, theories that it was just like, because it's bad media, everybody wants to hear the bad media and that's what sells. That's what went out there. But since that time, there has been a reanalysis by several people on that study. And that's where the, the real evidence started to come out going, oh, wait a second, this wasn't as bad as what we thought. And what was bad was the progestin that was causing the problems. And we see that now. And so your listeners know, ladies, that progestin, that is what's in your birth control pills too. So remember that because so many women will go, no problem. Give me birth control pill. Don't hesitate. It's one of like top prescriptions. Is it not Sean and Janet? Oh yeah. (laughs) Right. Birth control. Yeah. Yeah. So women like they don't hesitate and doctors don't hesitate to prescribe it. They'll hop on that without a hesitation when that is full of that synthetic estrogen and progesterone, not Premarin, but it is a synthetic estrogen that's in birth control that does increase your risk of getting breast cancer amongst a whole other slew of problems, but yet we don't hear about that. So it's interesting because all the studies since then on bioidentical hormones is super, super positive. I mean, we just had a study that came out of Arizona this year that showed that women that replaced their estrogen with bioidentical estrogen for six years post-menopause or longer had a 78% reduction of breast of Alzheimer's and dementia. That's mind-blowing to me. I think for a disease that's apparently can't be cured, 78%, and I have the Alzheimer's gene, so I was really happy that I'm like, oh my gosh, right? thank goodness I'm taking my estrogen <laughs> because we have estrogen receptors in our brain, and that's how important it is to brain health. Well, let's also talk to you, and I've talked about this many times before, about, you know, we, we scare women so much about breast cancer, but let's talk about some other things like dementia or Alzheimer's or osteoporosis. I mean, look at what happens to women when they don't have their hormones balanced and they get osteoporosis and, um, you know, fall down, break a hip, end up in a nursing home. It can be a, a deadly thing, literally, and and if not, very debilitating. So um, yeah. yet another thing we don't talk about, the risk of benefits versus of, of, of hormones. Yeah, and if you look at the studies, if you don't replace your estrogen, you will start to get osteoporosis in your bones. We've got estrogen receptors on every organ in our body. So 
are that you can look at that as every organ in your body is dependent in a, some small way, you know, some way, shape, or form on estrogen and its functions. So that's why it's so important for brain health because we have estrogen receptors in our brain. We've got estrogen receptors in our gut. Estrogen is also amazing for the immune system with COVID-19 going on. You can actually go in and see some research that's being done that's showing that women don't get as sick from COVID as men do because we have more estrogen in our bodies. So it's important for women that are in menopause to be replacing their estrogen because everything shows that when you do, you have a reduction in all cause mortality. And that's really important to know. And the whole breast cancer scare is there's not a lot of grounds for it. Like if you really start to dig in and say, okay, does estrogen cause breast cancer? Well, if estrogen caused breast cancer, well, we have so much estrogen in our twenties in our body as women. Would we not then see breast cancer just like women just being riddled with it in their 20s if that was the case? No. That's, that, that's just rational thinking. I, I give that yeah. example all the time. If if it was such a problem, women in their 20s would have problems with with breast cancer. They would have problems with um, you know heart attacks and strokes. And especially think about how much how high their estrogen is when they're pregnant right. and they yeah. don't have those issues. So. Yes. Yes, exactly. So, so it looks like we have a question from a a uh, viewer on Facebook. Um, How do you Karen? know when you need to add HRT? Yeah, absolutely. So Stacy, I'm a big believer that do not wait <laughs> until you are a hot mess, 20 pounds overweight, insomnia, insulin resistant, you name it, before to start your hormones. So perimenopause, so this happens before we reach menopause. Now, menopause is technically one year without a period, which is kind of a stupid thing. They just decided <laughs> one year you're going to technically. Yeah. So it's kind of silly because you could have your period at the 12 month mark and you're going to start from day one again. <laughs> Right. which is silly because you're in menopause at that point for sure. So that's considered menopause. Now, perimenopause, most women don't know that they actually start to enter into perimenopause typically in their mid thirties. And it gets worse and worse as they start to go into their forties. And then most women, it's around fifties, that early fifties, that they're technically in menopause. Now this can happen at all different stages. Personally, I started to go into menopause at 42. Mm. So this was like the world going, okay, you're going to have to learn all about this so you can <laughs> teach other women. And I did. And I tell you, when you hit that kind of perimenopausal state where you're in the depths of it, which tends to be in your 40s, lots of stuff starts to happen inside the body that is not fun. So this whole time, you can go from like eight to 12 years in perimenopause. And in that time, you could, for at least 75%, if not more of women nowadays, will be experiencing negative symptoms from this perimenopausal state. So this is weight gain, weight loss resistance. Those are the two things that seem to happen right away where women go, something's, something's up. <laughs> I haven't changed my diet. I'm still calorie restricting. I'm still exercising like crazy. Haven't changed anything. And yet I just put five pounds on. I can't get it off mm -hmm. no matter what I eat. And so that seems to be like the first thing that women will tend to come come to me with like, I think I might have something wrong with my hormones. And it's, that's what's happening is your hormones are starting to go south. 
hot flashes, night sweats, anxiety, depression, insulin resistance, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, osteoporosis, inflammation, dry eyes, saggy skin, saggy breasts, vagina dryness, vagina atrophy. These are all things that can happen and more during your perimenopausal state. So my view on it is if you're in your late thirties and you're experiencing some of these symptoms, maybe PMS is getting worse. You've gained a little bit of weight. At that point, you can still rely on, you know, change the diet, lower your stress, take some good supplements, you know, eat some good hormone balancing foods. And it can usually get a woman, you know, take some Vitex to help support progesterone because that's the first hormone that usually goes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of women can get away with that intervention without hormones until they're in their early 40s, late 30s. And at that point, though, when, when symptoms start to pick up and those supplements just aren't working as well anymore, that's a sign that, you know what, this is just a matter of your ovaries are, are starting to go down as far as production of hormones go. And there's no amount of dieting and there's no amount of supplements that's going to bring those hormones back at that point. It's just a matter of the ovaries going, goodbye, we've, we've had our day in the sun, we're out. And at that point is when you should be, te- I mean, you should always test your hormones, even in your thirties, but at that point, you know, test your hormones, see where they're at. You want your numbers to be in a certain range, which is not the range that the doctor gives you. And you want to start replacing then, because I will tell you, you will save yourself so much grief if you stay on top of it as you transi- transition through to menopause, which might be 10 years. You know, I started with progesterone. Now I've added the estrogen. You know, I've, I've done the DHEA when it was super low. You know, I've, I'm really monitoring my testosterone. So I'm staying on top of it now. And I was able to completely reverse my menopause for probably two years. It went right back to normal, I was able to regulate it because I started taking that progesterone, started taking some good menopausal supplements. Now my hormones took another dive about a year ago, started estrogen. And then recently they took another dive. So I had to up that estrogen. So this is what I mean by stay on top of it so that you don't go into those horrible symptoms that can happen for women. All right. So it sounds like it's kind of a dynamic process. And that's what we're kind of familiar with is that we have to adjust because our body's adjusting to this change in our, in our body. So just, you know, not one size is going to fit you throughout your life. We're going to adjust as we go. And that's also a very healthy place to be because, you know, um, we don't want too much either, but we want the appropriate amount. So yeah, you don't, you don't want the whole like there's a lot of there's some doctors that will say lowest amount possible to get rid of the symptoms. And I really disagree with, with that. It should be what's called physiologic levels of hormones, right. which is what your body is used to having. And so you want to put those in at the right amount, not just this little tiny bit to get rid of the hot flashes, because who knows what's going on behind this, behind the closed door of what's going on in your brain, your organs, all of these other things that depend on your hormones. You don't want to just be giving this little tiny amount because that's not going to do the, give you the health benefits that a proper amount will. 
Well, let's remember too what a normal what a normal level is. Sometimes the labs you have to really, really be careful about how you interpret the labs because yeah. they'll say, "Well, you're 65 years old. This is a normal." estradiol yes. level for you well yeah yes. it is for a 65 year old but that is, you don't want to feel like you're 65 <laughs> no yes you'll get that a lot from your from your family physician they'll say you'll say go oh, can you please check my hormones and i get it all the time women are like my doctor said my hormones are fine because they, they're where they should be for my age and also every woman needs different amounts so if someone had looked at my estrogen a year ago when i started it any doctor would have been, they would have said no way to estrogen, but yet I was missing periods. I was getting hot flashes all day long and all night long. And as soon as I put my, put some extra estrogen, my estrogen up, all those symptoms went away, but had anybody looked I was in good level, but there, it was on those towards the bottom of the range. The range is huge. It's like, if you're anywhere from a hundred to 2000, you're good. It's right. like, what? Well, let's, let's also add to this, that uh, a lab is like a picture. It's a time picture. It's not exactly what you might need, you know, um, and it's just a snapshot. So, you know, we, we can't, treat people just on a lab we need to treat people as you know a whole organism because just what that lab picked up at that one particular snapshot moment in time does not explain all the symptoms and all the things that are happening with it within the body i mean yeah. so to to say that that is the whole puzzle to me is is kind of um it, 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 you know, we're, we're treating that picture. We're not treating the human that's in front of us. Yeah. And, and speaking of, of labs, of typically one that is not only misordered, but um, misinterpreted is thyroid. And when you go ahead and stream that question, Steph, on Stacy has a question on thyroid. Karen, let's go ahead and answer this question. How much does your thyroid play into your estrogen levels or does it? Yes, it does. <sighs> Great there question, is, Stacey. It is great. Um, T3 specifically, lyothyronine, actually has something to do with the production of estrogen. So you need enough of your free T3 in order to help produce the estrogen. And I cannot remember the exact pathway this goes down. Also, Though, if your estrogen goes up too high, it will bind up thyroid hormones. So some women that start estrogen replacement have to really keep eye. Now, that typically tends to be more oral estrogen, but you still need to keep eye on your thyroid levels if you start to replace your estrogen, especially if you're doing those physiologic you know, restoration of your hormones so your levels are a little bit higher you're going to want to watch that thyroid because it can bind up, it can raise what's called thyroid binding globulin, which is a protein that can bind to your thyroid hormones and make it so that you can't use them inside the body. So you have to be very careful because they do have all the hormones all work synergistically together. So as soon as you put one thing in, it's going to affect the others. And you always, so you always want to watch everything like estrogen, for instance, Stacey, a lot of people will put estrogen and progesterone together into a, a hormone cream. And I don't know if you guys do this, but they'll put them into a hormone cream together, which isn't a good idea because you need estrogen 
by itself in order to make progesterone receptors. And if you've got them always in together every single day, that progesterone can outcompete your estrogen. So then you become estrogen deficient. And then, then after that, you're going to, your progesterone is going to stop working because you're not building those receptors for progesterone. So naturally in a, in a cyclical woman, she's going to build estrogen the first half of the cycle. Well, she's going to build estrogen all the way through the cycle, but progesterone is predominantly in the second half of the cycle. So there's all these little things that, you know, testosterone, insulin, cortisol, I mean, cortisol is your stress hormone because it's your survival hormone. If you're always stressed out, your body's going to preferentiate making that cortisol over your other hormones. And so it can deplete your other hormones or stop them from getting inside the cell and working properly. And that's a big one for thyroid. If your cortisol is too high, it's like your th- it's like it's blocking the door to the cell and the thyroid won't be able to get in. So you can even look like you have okay levels of thyroid, but it's not getting into the cell because that cortisol is too high. So they all work very closely together. And so you do you always want to monitor all of it and always that's like, you know, I have a list of what I have people to get tested for and I write a full thyroid panel is extremely important, especially as you age. Well, and I think that's one thing, you know, we kind of alluded to it a little bit early on, but it used to be like, okay, women, estrogen, women, estrogen, women, estrogen, but there's so much more to it than that. And that's kind of what we've discussed today is that, Estrogen is just a small part of the picture when it comes to hormone replacement. Progesterone, testosterone, we discussed, a full thyroid panel, um, DHEA. You need to know what your entire hormones, not entire, but many other hormones are doing because they all work together. So Karen, discuss what would you recommend getting tested then? Mm -hmm. So the full thyroid panel, you want to do estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, and if possible, a four-point cortisol test. Now, there's many different ways that you can test your hormones. Now, for a fertile woman, you definitely want to lean towards either saliva or urine testing because that's going to be more accurate. And then as you age and you get into menopause, you can rely more so on serum blood work. So that's a, you know, because some women, they'll go get their hormones tested with their doctor and be like, well, everything looks fine. Well, serum's only going to test bound hormone levels, which means bound to a protein, just like that thyroid binding protein. We also have sex hormone binding protein. And that's like the little bus that's going to carry, shuttle your hormones all over your body. And it gets off that bus and becomes a free hormone, which is what your cells are going to use. Anything that's bound can't be utilized. So if you're testing serum, you're only testing bound hormone levels, which a lot of the time isn't an accurate look at what's available to your body to use. Well, and that's why it's important. And we, we discuss this all the time with patients in our pharmacy and on our podcast. It's important to go to a provider that knows what labs to order because you can order free T3 and free T4 um, and instead of just totals. And same thing with testosterone. A total testosterone level will give you a bit of a picture of what's going on, but you really mm-hmm. want a free testosterone level because you're right. Sex hormone binding globulin um, can um, bind that testosterone up and it won't be affected with the receptor site. So it looks like Stacy has another question. Can you read that, Karen? 
I have low thyroid and take armor thyroid and I'm losing hair again. Can my endocrinologist help with the hormones as well? Or would I talk to my gynecologist? So neither <laughs> is what I would tell you, Stacy. Yeah. I haven't unfortunately had much luck with endocrinologists or gynecologists when it comes to replacing your hormones. Have you, what do you think about that? Sean? I, I, I agree with you hundred percent. And this is what I'll yeah. tell patients when it comes to endocrinologists and I'm not beating up on them at all, yep. but I will tell you in our area, in the North up here, um, endocrinologists, take care of diabetes. That's what they normally take care of. And that's what a lot of times their practice is busy with diabetics. Now, if you read Suzanne Summer's book, she will talk about how you need to see an endocrinologist to balance your hormones. Of course, she's in Beverly Hills. She's in a little bit different place than we are, a lot different demographic um, and a lot different doctors. So down there, they are probably more educated on the subject. Um, and yeah. gynecologists, we work with a lot of gynecologists. Um, we work with a few gynecologists. Now, not all of them are trained on bionicle hormones. We do work with some that are very, very um, well-educated on bionicle hormones. So mm -hmm. one thing I do want to say about this question, St um, Stacy, that you have is that it looks like you say armor thyroid is bioidentical. This is a very common question that we get all the time. And if you understand what um, uh, Karen was saying at the first of the show when, it, when, they, when she was discussing Premarin, how Premarin comes from horse's urine and it is not bioidentical, it's not identical to what our bodies make up. Armor thyroid is in the same category. I like armor thyroid in that fact that it does have T3 in it. And most patients need a little, not most, I would say because most patients do well on T4. Now, the patients that I see, they don't. Um, in 2016, T4, levothyroxine, brand name Synthroid, was the number one prescribed drug in the United States. Um, and for a majority of patients, it works. But for some patients, they their thyroid, their thyroid labs might look normal, but they don't feel normal. Well, it's because they're not converting their T4 to T3, which is a more active thyroid. So many times they'll give porcine thyroid, which is... Um, armor thyroid, NP thyroid, um, nature thyroid. Um, the problem with that is it is from pig's thyroid. Many patients, um, especially Hashimoto's patients that have a problem with um, autoimmune diseases, they will actually mount an autoimmune response to, Hash to um, porcine thyroid and not do very well on it. Here's another disadvantage of it. It is um, short acting. So T3 is short acting. It has a short half-life. It has a half-life of like two hours. So the T3 portion of the armor thyroid wears off in about two hours. So that's where a compound pharmacy comes in is that we can make a sustained release T3 um, where it lasts longer throughout the day. Also, the problem with armor thyroid is it comes in a fixed ratio of T4 to T3. So T4 is 38 micrograms. T3 is nine micrograms, give or take. So if you need more T3, but you don't need more T4, you double the dose and you get too much T4 and you don't have to get enough T3. So um, that's the problem. That's also where compound pharmacy comes in is that we can change that ratio of the T4 to T3 to what to customize it to each individual patient's needs. So um, I hope that answered your question, Stacey. Yeah, um, I'll just hop in there too. Um... Stacey, you likely, what, what, what's very common to happen when you start taking armor thyroid is that you will feel better 
uh, for 30, three to four weeks. And then sometimes symptoms can start coming back. And that's because there's a negative feedback loop that happens in the body. And so you want to go back, retest your hormone, your thyroid, take your basal body temperature, see where it's at, because you may need another boost in your dose um, in order to get what your body is actually needing. And then check your iron levels if your hair is falling out as well, because iron and thyroid are very tied together as well. So speaking of iron, um, we have run out of time today, Karen, but um, we are going to get back into the subject. And uh, the next thing we will discuss is we will discuss, you're an expert in the subject. We will discuss how diet affects your hormones. So we will reschedule you for a part two of this podcast and we will continue this conversation. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Yeah. Okay. So Karen, as we're wrapping this up, um, I want you to just tell us what do you have a passion for? What drives you? Hormones. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I get that one for sure. Yeah. Um, And if anybody has any questions, um, how's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, I always tell people just to head over to my website, karenmartell.com. Um, there's lots of stuff to access me on there and you can check out my podcast, the other side of weight loss. And I've got, you know, I do Q and A's on there, you know, once a month. So you can send in your questions or you can talk to contact me, um, through Instagram, Facebook messenger at Karen Martell hormones. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Health solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you. 